Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus began to declare in Matthew 11, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it, and you will learn the unforced rhythm of grace. But the key is, it's not just I throw to many a crowd by saying, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? And Peter, have them shout the house down, and I'm on board with that. But that's not the end of that verse. He said, walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. And then he says in that verse, you will recover your life. You'll get your life back. You'll get your peace back, your joy back. Come on, somebody. You'll get your looks back, your peace back, your romance back, your wife back, your kids will come back, your money will come back. Oh, y'all don't want to help me preach here. You'll recover your life. He says in Romans, the fifth chapter, here it is in the Message Bible. He says, here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong, got us in all this trouble, sin and death. And another man did it right and got us out of it. Not thrilled to many a crowd by preaching. You're not in trouble anymore. And you're not in trouble anymore. That is good news. But the next part of that says, but more than just get us out of trouble, he got us into a life. A life that goes on and on and on. I got to tell you, man, I'm enjoying my journey. I've got more peace when people are talking about the sky is falling and how bad it is. And, boy, the end is near. And I watch people all shook up and tore up over what they watched on the news. I literally put myself on a fast watching the news. And I don't care which one you watch. It all has an agenda. And it's all fear-based. It's because fear sells. Good news doesn't sell. That's why my books don't sell like the, the fear ones do. Because if you come up with the latest conspiracy theory and try to scare people into stuff, you can keep it. But the problem is, if you have to scare people to get them saved, you've got to keep them scared to keep them saved. And the reason people don't want to preach this is because you take the fear out of it and you find out what's really in people's hearts that they're not doing it because they're looking for a ticket to heaven and a ship out of here. They're doing it because they realize that the real gospel will give them back a real life and they'll have real peace and real joy and a real marriage and real family and real values and something will start to really work in our real world. And what we need is not a figment of our imagination. We need some real manifestation of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness and peace and joy that can only be supplied by the Holy Spirit. So the straight and narrow that leads to life is not performance. It's Jesus. And that was what they were missing in the first century. But the saints of the Most High, I could develop that for an hour and tell you that's a specific name of God, El Elyon, that always has to do, every time you see the name of God, El Elyon, it always has to do with Melchizedek, it has to do with the Most Holy Place, it has to do with uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, it always has something to do with a mercy seat or the New Covenant. People with an understanding of the Most High God are going to possess the kingdom and live in the kingdom and realize it is government of the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and he offered that to us in the first century. Can you see that the timing of this and the timing of this judgment and the timing of this throne being set is in the first century, A.D. 70, in fulfillment of what Jesus told his disciples, you will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. How many of that began with the judgment of the Roman I mean, that's about as clear of a context as I can give to you. Are you tracking with me? Now, let's go into Daniel chapter 12. 
I'm enjoying this if you're not. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I, I, I know you are. And at that time, Daniel 12, at that time, the time of the end. End of what? Not the end of this age, end of that age. And at that time of the end, Michael shall arise, the great angelic prince who defends and has charge over your Daniel's people. There shall be a time of trouble and, and, uh, and straightness and distress such as never was since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered and everyone whose name will be found written in the book of God's plan for his own. Now, let me t stop for a moment and put context again here. Here's Daniel again standing up and he says, in that season... Michael, the great prince, will stand up. Michael is the archangel. Michael is the one who sounds the trumpet in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the chief messenger, which is Michael. Revelation chapter 11 says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven with a rainbow around his throat, a ra rainbow around his head. It was the archangel Michael, and he announces with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea that no more time would intervene, that there should be any more waiting or delay. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God will be finished. The seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. That puts the last trumpet squarely, and right when the seventh trumpet begins to sound in the book of Revelation, is in the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, when the martyrs under the altar are crying, how long, Lord, till you avenge us? Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, these are the days of vengeance that all things which were spoken might be fulfilled. And he talked about that fulfillment being within that generation. But Michael the prince is the one who stands up and declares the seventh trumpet beginning to sound. And at the moment he starts talking about the seventh trumpet, the Romans are given to trample under the city, Revelation chapter 11. For 42 months, the Gentiles are given access to trample the holy city underfoot for 42 months, times, times. And a half a time, three and a half years, 42 months, same period of time Daniel was talking about, same period of time that's in the end of this chart I showed you, Habakkuk's appointed time of the end, when this beast would wear out the saints of the Most High, and then all of a sudden they would take away the kingdom and the saints of the Most High would possess the kingdom and possess it forever and forever. But he goes on to say, it would be a time of trouble. These are the words that Jesus uses in, even in his prophecy. He said there will be tribulation such as was not since the world began or will ever be again. He says that also in Matthew 24. Jesus is talking from these scriptures as well. Are you tracking with me? Then he goes on to say, and uh, it'll be a time of straightness and distress such as never was since, the, since, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book of God's plan for his own. Now, here's, here's the verse I want you to see. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt and abhorrence. What this does is it puts the resurrection squarely within the first century. Now, I'm going to show you some powerful stuff here that I think is going to help us really understand some scripture. I'm just trying to establish strongly the time period is tracking with everything I told you so far. Am I doing a good job of showing you the... 
I, I, I feel like sometimes when you start dealing with details, you, people start quitting on you or losing you. But he starts to put this resurrection. This stuff was stuff I tried not to see, to be honest with you. Because I knew if I start teaching the fullness of this, it's going to cost me a lot of friends. But I've decided I love truth more than I love friends. But it put the resurrection squarely within the first century. Now, I want to show you some powerful stuff here. But he said, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt and abhorrence. And the teachers and those who are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to stars, turn many to righteousness, to uprightness and right standing with God shall give forth light as the stars forever. I could put in there, I could show you something out of Matthew 13, but I, I will, I'll just leave that out. Let, let me read Matthew 13 because it's really, Matthew 13 is a parable where he's talking about that, the parable of the sower. And he says, and this is verse 39, Matthew 13. And the enemy that sowed is the devil. The harvest is the close and consummation of the age. And the reapers are the angels. This puts this harvest, see, what we do with Matthew 13, the harvest is the end of the age. We put that out in the future, but he's not talking about the end of this age. He was talking about the end of that age. And he tells you clearly that the sower was the son of man. He sowed good seed in the field while men slept and enemy came and sowed tares. But in the verse 39, he said, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close or the consummation of the age. It's the close of the old covenant age. The reapers are the angels. Just as the darnel weeds resembling wheat is gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of this age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of offense, persons by whom others are drawn into error or sin, and all who do iniquity and act wickedly, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and wailing and, and, and grinding of teeth. Then will the righteous, those who are upright and right standing with God, shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let him who has ears to hear be listening and let him consider and perceive and understand and hear. That's a direct quote from Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And, and search anxiously through the book of knowledge and God's purpose as revealed by his prophets and shall increase and become great. But he talks about that they will be like as the stars from the heavens. In other words, he's connecting these scriptures. Are, are you following me? Let me go back to Daniel. Then I, Daniel, this is verse 5, looked and behold, there stood two others. The one on the brink of the river on this side and the other on the brink of the river on that side. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, it shall be for time, times, half a time, or three and one half years. And when they have made an end of shattering and crushing the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished." That's quoted again in Revelation chapter 11. When I saw a mighty angel, Michael the prince stands up and holds up his hand and said, there will be no more intervention of time. And then for the next time, times, half a times, 42 months, all of that starts to proceed that he's prophesying here and he's prophesying there that they would be for a time, times and a half times, that there would be a time of shattering and crushing the power of the holy people. In other words, the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of that covenant would happen during the period of that time. I'm just trying to show you the comparison by comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. In other words, we are interpreting the book of Revelation 
by not using USA Today. We are using the Bible. Surprise, surprise. The Bible will interpret itself. See, I would, I would read through these scriptures and think, wait a minute, I think I've read that somewhere else. And if that's not good enough, they put the references in here. I just could never connect the dots because my paradigm was always, well, he's talking, he's not talking about this. He's talking about what's happening in 2022. But see, that's where we get real subjective. It pulls it out of the context and the setting and the covenant and the people to which it was written. And he's writing it to Old Covenant. This is talking about the history of the Jews and those who are coming to the end of this covenant and him crushing the power of the holy people. And he goes on to say in verse 8, And I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O Lord, what shall be the issue and the final end of these things? And he, the angel, said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed till the time of the end. Tells Daniel to seal up the words and the prophecy till the time of the end. Because it was for a distant future. He'll say that in just a few moments. You read the book of Revelation. He tells Daniel, seal up this vision. Because it's, a, it's for the end. When you get to the book of Revelation, he tells John the Revelator, do not seal up the words of this prophecy. Because the time is at hand. It's no longer in the distant future. In Daniel's day, it was several hundred years in the future. About 500. But for, uh, for the, in the book of Revelation, it was not in the distant future. That's what God called the distant future. So if we say, well, you know, God's timing is a whole lot different than ours. Well, the truth of it is, is that God tells you what his time works like when he tells you, here, Daniel, shut it up because it's for the distant future. Well, the distant future just so happened to be about 500 years there. So you can't put 2,000-year gap in here somewhere and talk about, well, you know, God just sees time because he's outside of time. No, he works. These things happen exactly like he said they would within the time slot of what he said they would. And to me, that's what is so convincing even about the Word of God and the reality of this God who is so precise that it's without any kind of stretching it, breaking any kind of hermeneutical rules. It is context and it is happening just, we have to suppose that he's putting this stuff squarely within the first century. How many of you can see that that's a good possibility? Am I covering that good enough? To, I'm going to see your hands. Just commit to me. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, he said, that, he said, shut up and seal till the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves, make themselves white, and try it, smelt it, and refine it. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. And the teachers and those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the continual burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. If you pull out your chart that I gave you before, right over here at the end, the daily sacrifice was abolished in A.D. 66. In the Roman Jew Jewish War, there were four sieges of Jerusalem. And that final times, times and a half times from 66 AD until the time when he said from the time that the daily sacrifice was abolished would be 1,290 days, three and a half years, time, times and a half times, or 42 months. He's putting it squarely right there at the end of the eschaton or the end of the old covenant age not at the end of this age. And he's putting all of that in that context. And he's saying to them, blessed, happy, fortunate, spiritually prosperous, and to be envied is those who waits expectantly and earnestly, who endures without wavering beyond the period of tribulation. 
Because this was the great tribulation, such as was not, who, who endures and wait without wavering beyond the period of tribulation and comes to the 1,334 days. Or 1,335 days. But you, Daniel, who, who was now over 90 years of age, go your way until the end. For you will rest, and you shall stand fast in your allotted place in the end of days. Then I was given a reed like a, a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, this is Revelation 11. I, I, I jumped ahead in my notes. Let's go, let's go, ahead, and, let's go ahead and jump over to Revelation. Revelation 11. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. That's exactly what the Romans did. These beasts that he describes, in the progression that he describes them, Babylon, the Medes, the Greeks, and now the Romans, in Revelation 11, it is the Romans in the last three and a half years of the scope of this prophecy who are now treading the holy city underfoot. The temple is about to be destroyed, and they're going to do it for 42 months. You tracking with me? And he said, but leave out the court that's given to the Gentiles, and I will give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. This is the indictment of the law and the prophets against the power of the holy people that's about to be broken for the same amount of time that Daniel prophesied about, 1,290 days. But you're blessed if you go beyond that because once that's destroyed, then they've come beyond the tribulation. And he said, blessed are those who come to the 1,335. In other words, you've, you've endured until all of this has been broken and the temple has been destroyed and God has raised up a new temple. We'll get to that probably tomorrow. It's going to blow the minds of folk who ain't been here. Because we're going to talk about a new heaven and a new earth. They ain't going to have a clue what I'm talking about. They will have some. I'll try to do it where it'll stand alone. But this is really a build-up. What I'm simply saying is, see, what we need to understand is that an old covenant was passing. A new covenant is coming on the scene. I'll get into this some tomorrow, but the, an old heaven and an old earth was passing away because if you walked up to any Jewish person and say, tell me something, what, when I say heaven and earth, what does that mean? They would say their temple. It was the place where heaven and earth met. It was their, it was their Bethel. But Jesus began to shift the paradigm in John when he walked up and said to uh, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. And he said, uh, he marveled. He said, don't marvel that you, said, I, you heard me say, I saw you under the fig tree. Because from henceforth, you will see the angels of God ascend and descend on the Son of Man. The only other place you see angels of God ascend and descend on the Son of Man, or uh, angels of God ascend and descend, was when Jacob wrestled with the angel, and he called it Bethel. He saw the angels. He saw a ladder let down, and the angels of God ascend and descend. He said, this is none other than the house of God, and this is Bethel. Jesus walks on the scene and said, don't marvel because I saw you under the fig tree. You're going to marvel because you're going to see the angels of God ascend and descend because God's moving into a new temple, and you're standing in front of you. And then Jesus walks right into their temple and said, destroy this one, and in three days I'm going to raise up another one. I'm about to run the aisles up in here. Because an old temple passed, and I saw a new temple. Come on. An old heaven and an old earth passed, because that was the place where heaven and earth met. It was in their Bethel, but now God's temple is bigger, and a new heaven and a new earth came on the scene. And old Jerusalem was passing off of the scene, 
And New Jerusalem was coming on the scene. New Jerusalem is not a place. It is a people. It is the bride, the Lamb's wife. Hello, bride, Lamb's wife. Hello, temple of God. Hello, new heaven and new earth. See, that's not talking about the collapse of a planet and God making a whole brand new one. It's talking about God's new creation that begins inside of us because God's temple has now become not just God in a box somewhere, but he wants to fill the whole earth. See, God's temple was his, the whole creation in the beginning because if you ever study temple theology every time you would create a temple you always put the image of your God in that temple in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 it is God making the whole earth his temple and the last day of his creation he puts a man in his image with dominion has a bird can fly as deep as a fish can swim God puts his image in the earth to be his representative in the earth at the end of that creation that's his temple but when man sins come on they lose that and all for hundreds of years God is in all kinds of temples. He's in an old flapping tent. He's in David's tabernacles. He's in Solomon's temple. He's in Herod's. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, but see, I don't want to live in an old flapping tent, and I don't want to live in a box. I want to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I want to put my image back in it. And amazingly enough, when Jesus walks into the temple to be judged in the final days, of, and he walks in, and the Bible takes great pain to point out that he shows up on the sixth day. It's like Adam showed up on day six. And when they walk into the temple, the high priest declares, Behold the man. God put his image back in his temple. Somebody help me a little bit. He put his image back in the temple the next day. He's in the tomb because God has to rest on the Sabbath. Because the work was finished. But on day number eight, it was a new creation beginning. And when he got up from the dead, it was the signal that God's new creation project is fully underway. And he was the first begotten from among the dead. And the resurrection was now underway. Let me see if I finish. Now, let let, let me go here and put this again because I want to set the stage of this resurrection. He gives them a read. They're un- the, the temple seats for 42 months by the Romans. Verse 4, these, this is Revelation 11, verse 4. These are the two olive trees, the two lamps stand, stand before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have the power to shut the heavens so that the rain falls. no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. They have power over water to turn the blood to right the earth as often as he will with plagues. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Those, then those from the people, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days, not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. And those who dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth." And now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who saw them. And, then, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth part of the city fell, and the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. In fulfillment of Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, there will be earthquakes in diverse places. All of these prophecies are coming to pass. But verse 15 says, this is the one I want you, and the seventh angel sounded, 
Now, let's suppose here that the only place I know there's trumpets is in the book of Revelation and also in the Old Testament, but there were seven priests who blew seven trumpets right before the old city of Jericho fell, and they took their possession. In the New Testament, book of Revelation, seven angels sound, and an old city falls, and a new one comes, and a promised land is there. Powerful comparisons. That's the only place there are seven trumpets. But the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. Everybody say last trumpet. So the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet sounded, and there were voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat on sat before God on their thrones, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. And the nations were angry, and your wrath has come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, should be destroyed, those who destroy the earth. How many know in Daniel, he said during the days of those Roman kings, many that slept in the dust of the earth would arise, some to everlasting contempt and some to everlasting pleasures or righteousness. He's putting this in the same time slot. And he said the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen as his temple and there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now let me take you back then with that thought into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. These are powerful scriptures. I want you to see again that the timing of this, I think I've built over the last two services, squarely put the Romans in power during the time when Jesus came to the Ancient of Days and received the kingdom and the books were open and the throne was set and a judgment was about to take place. How I many know it was a judgment that began in the first century? Are you tracking with me? And many that slept in the dust would arise. Now, let's go here to 1 Thessalonians and see what it says. But I would not have you ignorant. Now, let me say this again to you. Audience relevance is everything. He is talking to a first century church at Thessalonica. And if you read everything coming up to this, they are suffering the spoiling of their goods. Their loved ones are dying in the arenas. They are being martyred. They are being persecuted. The chapter following this, he writes to them a letter and said, Do not be troubled as if you have received a letter as if it were from us that the day of Christ was at hand. For that day will not come. There comes a fall away first, and the man of sin be revealed, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. So he's telling that first century church at Thessalonica, I'm warning you about this, not living faith 2022 years from now this will be something relevant to you as a matter of fact i don't have time to develop this but the man of sin that sat in the temple of god was a man by the name of john levi of gershom who usurped the office of the priest because the priest was what with was withholding until he was taken out of the way but once the high priest was taken out of the way and there was an illegal priesthood there an abomination that made desolate when the man of sin sat in the temple of god showing himself that he was god it was near even at the door and that happened with a man by the name of John Levi of Gershon, who literally set himself up in the high priest's place and declared himself that he was God. It was also in fulfillment of when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction would come upon them like a woman in travail because the travail of that season was God was getting ready to birth something brand spanking new. And so what happens is what we do if we pull that text out of I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. 
In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.